Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Otari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who also has a wall-sized answering machine. <laughs> I am the Adam Glass, except mine is just a person. I think they may have invented a technology for this movie. I no, I think it. I think it did exist. Uh, the screenwriter, uh, who we'll talk much more about, AI Bezerides, Um He says that he just. He had such contempt for this work right? that he was just throwing whatever he could think of in there. And he'd recently <laughs> read about this new answering machine. So the, he put the, one in. The reason why I think it feels made up is its ability to jump. The, the one that got me was when it, when it said, you have no new messages, but like the tape didn't spool up. No, so I was yeah. like, I mean, I, I'm sure. I, I, I'm sure it does not function exactly as they are portraying I mean, it. that's, you know, it was just uh, very, it was very, um, it was just very funny to me. I was like, I feel like you read yeah. it. Well, so correction. Yes, I'm sure answering machines did exist. There's a, well, there's one in Columbo, yeah. actually. An episode of Columbo yeah. has an answering machine that works almost exactly like this. Yeah, but Columbo is also 20 years later than this. This is true. But anyway. This is true. Um, but they also do apparently seem to be identical, like in the way they function. Yeah. Um, but the the what makes this kind of um interesting is more the fact that like it feels like he read about it and then just was like eh just put a tape just put a reel to reel on the wall it's fine yeah like you know what yeah. I mean like it, like in somewhere in the translation between reading about it probably in a in a magazine article and actually putting it in the movie they're like can you put an answering machine on the wall like no we don't know what that yeah, is I don't just throw a, throw a reel to reel in there it's fine it's fine just put a reel to reel in there. I don't think the thing we see is a real example. That's of, what I mean. That's what I mean. What we're talking, yeah. what it is. Uh, I mean, it's just a, it's more just, than likely yeah, he'd a, never. Exactly. He probably just, he probably read about it in Popular Science anyway. Yeah, and maybe like, and maybe you know. saw like one of their like drawings. You know what I mean? Like in Popular Science, yeah. right? It's always just that like illustration, Popular Science illustration right, right. style. But doesn't give you a lot yeah. of details. Um, just interesting. I just thought it was very funny actually, looking. Actually, a fun little detail on uh, technology that doesn't actually exist in the movie. Um, there's a scene early on after Mike gets interviewed by the feds mm -hmm. where he's walking down the hallway with his with his police officer frenemy, uh -huh. uh, Pat. Um, and they walk down I'm the hallway, have friend. a little walk and talk. Don't accuse me. And they, they get to an elevator. Mike presses the button while they're still talking. The door opens, they get lit up, two people walk off, and then they walk on. Uh -huh. The elevator doesn't exist. They're just miming and, uh, oh, really? and music, movie magic. There's no there's no elevator in that hallway they're shooting in. Nice. <laughs> uh, just just fun little movie That's stuff. Cool. I like dumb shit yeah. like that. That stuff makes me happy. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just like, there's a lot of, well, I mean, like, talking about movie magic, like, talking about things that don't exist. Um like uh you know fissionable uh you know fissionable material that like will <laughs> melt your face off like that does not that in fact exist well screaming seems like that will catch your house on fire and will like and will melt will melt you um yeah i was like i got really like because the ending of the movie gets kind of boring once you kind of figure out how things are going <laughs> to unfold like well, this is not right. this is not interesting anymore, and so I started looking. I was like, okay, so like how exact how because I this is something I should know, but I don't really remember. I was like, exactly how dangerous is like uranium two thirty five, and the answer is 
not yeah. terribly. Um, right. Like, don't hang out with it for a long time. But as far as, like, radioactivity goes, there's a lot more dangerous shit out there, and none of it glows. Well, some of it glows, but uranium-235 is not, uh, is not, does not glow white. Except for in this Presumably guy. Presumably none of it mine. screams. No, it all screams. I don't oh, know if does. you realize this. I had no idea. All, all Is that most, how you find it while mining? Yes, all fish. You just listen for the fact, screams. All fissionable material is imbued with the souls of a thousand dead children. It's just the way it works. It screams. Um, it is haunted. It's just not. It just doesn't glow and or melt your face off. In fact, the amount of exposure you can you can go through a fairly high amount of exposure before it will even like actually hurt you. It'll burn your skin a little. It'll like it'll it'll make you have a rash. Um, so that's yeah. weirdly kind of accurate. Uh, and then they just have it melt the lady, which is kind of funny. Yeah. It's a very silly movie. Well, Pat, before we get too much more into the movie, I do want to talk about our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Lost in Cartoon over there for a dollar a month and help keep us going and get access to some bonus content. We watch a non-Criterion film over there every month, and our supporters get to vote on what we're going to watch, usually from a list I put together, sometimes from a list users submit. Uh, and it's, uh, yeah, you know, when I put them together, it's whatever, whatever flight of fancy I got, whatever... Whatever. Sometimes based on a movie we watched recently. Sometimes based on something in the news or the time of year it is. This month's uh, based on the fact that uh, actor Paul Rubens died recently. We put together a Paul Rubens list. Yeah. Uh, and while while the vote is officially not over yet, I don't think anyone's surprised at what's winning. Uh, we will be watching Pee-wee's Big Adventure for the bonus this ep- <laughs> this month, <sighs> unless something drastically changes in the next ten and hours. And since you won't hear this before that happens, we can't even impact the vote by making this episode. But yeah, that's all the one dollar mark. You get access to that bonus episode. You get access to all the back catalog of bonus episodes, and most of all, on our end, you help keep us going, keep the and lights paying the, on, even. paying the server bills. Yeah, the virtual lights, not the real uh, lights. None of us pay our electric bills with this thing, right? Um, yeah, yeah. If not for you, we'd be recording this podcast by candlelight. For folks who want to keep those lights running a little bit longer, uh, we have the next tier up at $5. We thank those folks on air, and we're so grateful to them. Thank you to Chris Otto, Eric Coronado, Stephen Goldmeyer, and Andrew Jarrett, our current yes, $5 thank you. Supporters. They pay for the, 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 the grease for the spoke, for the, uh, for the, the, um, the chain. I already don't like this metaphor. Oh, that we use on the bicycle that we use to power our recording equipment. Oh yes, 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 yes. We are constantly biking. Yeah, it's all like the this time. is. Whoa. If you if we ever seem a little bit winded, um, you know that's because we are we are powering this podcast by bicycle. But that five dollar mark, uh, we greatly appreciate everybody who gives us ten dollars and above to get into our highest tier. Uh, so much so, it's pretty dang special. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies that we watched recently. I get that printed up on a postcard and write a little personalized note every month. Mail that out. It's a lot. So if of you fun. like bespoke art, 
you like uh, getting mail, uh, and who doesn't? Uh, you can give us $10 or above a month. You also get thanked on air. And thank you so much to people in that tier. Jason Westhaver, Nino Majnak, Adam Speakerman, Patrick Alco, and Tracy McGrath. Yes, thank you, all of you. If you want to check out those postcards without committing the $10 mark, you can head over to Redbubble.com. Go, go to Adam's house. Lost sneak in while he's there. sleeping and steal the postcards. You could also come to my house. I have extra postcards. It is bedroom. Yeah. That's what I um, did. <laughs> yes. Head over to redbubble.com, search for Lost and Criterion there. You can see all the past postcards and purchase them as postcards, as greeting cards, as buttons and stickers, some of them. Thank you to everybody who has purchased anything off that Redbubble. Thank you to everyone who supported us on Patreon now and over the years. And thank you for listening. Yes, thank you. Pat, this week we are watching The Continuing the Adventures of Mike War. Hammer. Or Hammer Mike? It, it, because in one of the script they like one of the things they showed up in that thirty nine minute thing like he changed the name of the and most importantly changed the name of the character and it just went up and said Hammer Mike because it's like they're doing like yeah. the stage Cause, play cause version because the opening credits yeah. scroll backwards yeah. and it's like yeah. Um, lovely yeah it's very silly uh, Kiss Me Deadly from nineteen fifty five directed by Robert Aldrich. Uh, this is our first Aldrich film. We will eventually. Uh, if we keep going forever, get to a second Aldrich film. He also directed the original Flight of the Phoenix. Okay. Uh, which is spine 1116. We'll still be doing it. Uh, Don't worry. Yeah. That's a far-flung future from Brains us. Brains in a jar. Recording a podcast. This one also written by A.I. Bezerides, uh, who we talked about briefly in the introduction. Uh Bezerides uh, and and Aldrich both held the source material in contempt. Uh, Which you can, I, you Bezerides can says he wrote it. He wrote it so fast because he hated it. I, hey, <laughs> you know, the man has good taste. That's all I can say. Like it's yeah. This is this yeah. is trash source so, material. So we're based on Mickey Spillane's novels uh, and the character of Mike Hammer. And Mike Hammer is hardboiled detective, but he's. Spillane was super popular post-war. And one reason he was super popular post-war is because Mike Hammer inhabits this well, proto-ultra-violent character. Uh, Dirty Harry is definitely a Mike Hammer type. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, well, Dirty no. Harry is a Mike Hammer type extrapolated in, into the 70s, right? You, you continue extrapolating right, that right. character out. Like... Mike Hammer, as far as I can tell, is very much like, I mean, like you explain even like lays it out when they interview him. It's like, well, like his role model for it is like, it's meant to embrace, like fully embrace the sort of like modern American fascism in the 1950s, right? Like we, like you, we've, we've, we done fought fascism yeah. with fascism and here we go. Let's, uh, yeah, there's let a point. Ride. There was a point where Spillane uh, and his Mike Hammer novels were uh, not only the best-selling books of the time period, but were some of the top-selling books of all time in English English language. Yeah, yeah. Well, because this is also he they, they they brag about it like you know it's oh it's in all these different countries, all these different languages. It shows up in the USSR. But here's the thing, yeah, yeah, like American like trash sells really well in a in a yes 
post like, oh, America owns everything world, right? Like this is the stuff that's right, really, right, really right. easy to sell, right? It just yes. is. Uh, director Aldrich characterized Mike Hammer as a cynical fascist yeah. uh, and called Mickey Spillane an anti-democratic figure. Uh, according to the Jay Hoberman essay accompanying our Criterion release. Um, yeah. <laughs> Bezerides, Bezerides says, this quote is so great. I wrote it fast because I had contempt for it. It was automatic writing. Things were in the air at the time, and I put them in. That's, nice. that's his quotes about his, about his time writing this. It is a pretty loose adaptation of the novel. Okay. Uh, first off, the novel and most of my camera stuff takes place in New York City. Uh, whereas this is transposed to L.A. Uh, the original plot and the first the first version of the script um, was a gangster thing. It wasn't this nuclear plot. Okay. Um, and Aldrich says he took the first script to the MPAA and they hated it because, of course, they did. Um right. But rather than change Mike Hammer at all, which is the principal problem with this right, <laughs> with right. this movie from the MPA standpoint, is what what the uh, what Mike Hammer gets up to the violence and the sex. Uh, but rather than change Mike Hammer at all, they just replaced the gangster plot with this nuclear device MacGuffin. So just make uh, it like so complicated were, that somehow it becomes yeah. You're like you kind of <laughs> yep. like you kind of like juked the MPA and just made them so confused. Yeah, that yeah. Just it's, like I don't know what it's so confused anymore. the MPA that they were just like, oh, oh, I guess. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, uh, oh, we don't want to read this again. So fine. Yeah, yeah. It, it's apparently it's a very, at some point. Apparently, at some point in discussion with the MPA, Aldrich. Uh, did say to them, I suppose probably justifying the point of his film, uh, that, quote, justice is not to be found in a self-anointed one-man vigilante. Uh, again, drawing from the uh, from the Hoberman essay. Um, don't know how the MPA responded to that, except to say that the movie did come out. Right? I mean, I guess... <laughs> I guess if you probably... Yeah. Extend that if you kind of like read between the lines of maybe yeah. what other things he said it, to them, it's like, look, right. I treat this character like shit. Yeah. Everybody's going to know he's a piece of shit by the time the end of this movie is over. Right, right, right. Like nobody's yeah. going to walk the, away from uh, this movie thinking this guy was the hero. Yeah. The main plot in the original uh, script did apparently involve narcotics, which the MPA was also against. Okay. As that well might, as yeah, that might be part of it. Yeah. Behavior. So, um, but yeah, instead we get uh, a sci-fi twist with yeah, the MacGuffin of. being. It's, it's it's very yeah. I it's screaming green rocks. Yes, I mean well, um, like sort of like green rocks. You know what I mean? Like we don't we get yeah. a sort of um. We I mean you know we get this sort of just like <laughs> this blinding light that just evaporates everything in its path essentially it's very right 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 very silly yeah hoberman talks about mike hammer's popularity in pop culture uh as uh by calling him god's angry man um comparing him then not just to dirty harry but also to the fire and brimstone televangelists and talk radio personalities that would inhabit the right wing for the next till today 
Um, yeah, well, it's a, yeah, um, go ahead. Yeah, so I had I had a thought about that. Yeah. That's kind of like, huh? Yeah, by all means. Share, well, no, please. because like you can kind of see there's this you know there's a sort of mirror you know the mirror effect of like you know so you've got the media reflecting culture and culture reflecting media right like all of those mm-hmm. right wing televangelists that like we know and love uh, I say sarcastically all yeah. grew yeah. up exposed to your like Mike Hammers and stuff as as their sort of dirty little like treat their little secret you know that they read under their covers at night and stuff like that right and like you can kind of see how those things feed off of each right. other right like he is like he's you know this the sort of fire and brimstone to a certain extent version of of, of a noir detective like in a very like right right oh yeah yeah certainly um one of the bonus features uh, the one you watched is called Mike Hammer's Mickey Spillane. Um, and it's 40 minutes long and it is produced, directed uh, by a guy whose uh, name I can't remember right now, uh, but oh, is the same that. guy, uh, is the same guy who Spillane's estate hired to write. Uh, all his unfinished manuscripts. To finish yeah. off all of the novels, all his unfinished manuscripts. Um which you know that makes him an expert here, but also makes him a fanboy. Uh, and this, this is documentary definitely a fanboy is piece. amazing. Uh, I it is it yeah. is because you can't because even without no even without noticing that which I did not notice that particular element you can't yeah it, it reads it it did it play on History Channel because it feels like it would play on History Channel. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. almost certainly. But like it, the fact that it's cut to forty minutes means it will almost definitely was shot for television. Right. American television. Yeah. And it, it feels, it's got a feel to it where you're like, oh, this is like, I don't know how to describe it. It's got this sort of, you know, as you said, it's very, very fanboy, but it's so like over the top that it comes off as ridiculous in and of itself as well. So it, it makes yeah. a sort of beautiful companion piece to Kiss Me Deadly because right, right. it is as stupid as the movie that the people who hated this character made right you know what i mean it's like, just over the top in the other direction. yeah exactly yeah. but the they so we get a sort of weird horseshoe effect on this character of like oh these yeah. are both stupid uh just one of them is trying to be stupid on purpose uh right i guess under the bottom instead of over the top yeah um <laughs> i love spillane <laughs> there's one really great quote from from spillane in the middle of that uh talking about this movie particularly kiss me deadly uh he says it's a big cult thing in france i don't get it um, which is true. Uh, all the Cowherds to Cinema guys loved this movie. Uh, and you can, I think, you know, we can see its influence directly on something like Alphaville. Oh, for sure. And indirectly on the rest of the rest of those uh, gangster movies. Oh, yeah. Any of their gangster films you can absolutely Especially early there, on. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, they all loved it. Uh, Truffaut loved it. Uh, obviously, big influence on on the future alex cox gets a bonus feature talking about this uh, and uh its influence on him particularly uh that whole glowing box MacGuffin yeah, everybody loves the glowing Repo box man. man um yeah uh <laughs> everybody from cox to tarantino to spielberg loves a glowing box yeah they all love it um, like they, it's it's yeah it's the ultimate surrender the idea that the MacGuffin can just be a MacGuffin. It doesn't yeah. have to be just an unknowable. It force. just doesn't have yeah. to be anything. Is is like really right. fucking like mesmerizing to every filmmaker. 
who's like, well, yeah, but then I don't have to explain what it is. It is really great. Um, The documentary frames this movie as Aldrich's attempt at a left-wing critique of the conservative Spillane. And I think that gives... (laughs) Give Spillane himself too much credit. This isn't a this isn't a left This isn't a leftist critique of Mike Hammer. This is a leftist contempt of Mike yeah, Hammer. Yeah, it reads more uh, like it, it, like we've seen movies. Like this is like in my life, I have encountered. I can't think of an example, but I've encountered other movies where the director that we've you and I we've even probably watched some of them together, where the director clearly. Did not want to be involved with the prod. Did not want to do it, or did not yeah. like like the thing he was making, and just like phoned it in to a certain extent. And you get this sort of it creates yeah. a really weird kind of result. It, it's it's hard. To, you can feel it when you watch these kind of movies where they do this sort of stuff. Yeah, and the the contempt here is mostly in the script. I think visually, movie making wise, no, from, I don't think he did a bad job. It's a good movie. This film well is made. still fantastic. It is well made. I'm, I'm, yeah. But like, what I mean is, is that like, when you combine the script with the fact that like the director didn't fix any of the things that are obviously, I don't give a yeah. shit about the script. In fact, just sort of like, it's like, well, you know what it is? It's the filmmaking version of painting over the lights so- or the the power sockets in the house. In the sense that, yeah, like, yeah, you can yeah. do an excellent job of painting, but you just ignore the fact that that's been painted over 75 times and just like, you know what? Fuck it. We're just right. doing it. Like, because, like, the director, he had the power to fix all the things that 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 were written in that were just like, yeah, I don't give it. a shit. And he's like, you know what? I don't give a shit either. Because they're ridiculous and, and wonderful. so, like, you have a very um. well-shot movie of... Something that everybody knows is fundamentally trash. It's it's really it's a fascinating yeah. result. I, I don't that's what I mean though. You can feel it because you can and see that you can still see the outlines of the wall sockets, is, is what I'm saying in this film. Right. And it's completely completely unsurprising at all that Truffaut and and his buddies got into this movie because uh <laughs> it is exactly their critique of American yeah, no, it, yeah, it is, yeah, absolutely. It's but made by an American, right? Right, and 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 it you know, gives you a sort of a pro, sort of gives you a prototype for it, right? To be like, oh, like, yeah, I, if I I can make my version of this to a certain extent, and it will also be a critique of the same thing. It's just kind of a template for how to like comment right. on the fact that this shit's and, bullshit. That this shit's like doesn't make any sense right. and it's crazy. And Bezerides doesn't just hate the the source material. He tries to do it with whatever fancy idea he has. Like the whole big speech that the guy gives at the end about, you know, obviously we've got the Pandora's thing throughout, you know, and and uh, and Gabrielle as Pandora tempted to look into the box. But then he throws out every other uh Woman's curiosity got got oh, her in I trouble. I love it. It's so classical it's, illusion. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I I love it. Have you heard of Lot's wife? Yeah. Have you heard of Pandora? Have you heard like it's like uh, like yeah. there's some references to fucking Medusas in there. You're like, what is happening here right, right now? Like it's like yeah. well, like it's it's that like well, you're gonna take this kind of character that is already an established archetype in these kinds of movies, and then just extend it like just just blow it even further out of proportion right and the funny thing is is that like i don't know they talked a little bit in that documentary about the relationship to james bond right 
mm-hmm. and how James Bond is is essentially the same thing, but like with class more debonair, instead of right? whatever. Um, yeah. But the thing about it is, like, oh yeah, every James Bond villain is also just this. Like, you know what I mean? Like they all give the yeah. same fucking speech. It's I don't know, just very. Yeah. It's sort of like if we're gonna kind of judge it on a sort of a, an Ebert sort of scale, right? Like, the writing is bad. But it's bad on purpose. It's accomplishing its goal. Yeah. Like the dialogue is stupid, but the person who wrote it made it stupid on purpose. Right. You you know right. what I mean? Like so it's like in in actuality I find it quite charming because of that. Like it is it is yeah. silly to watch that the the villain just reel off every sort of like uh you know woman releasing yeah. the evil into the world character that you can think of everything that that villain does is silly like that the villain is just yeah all around it's, silly it's just in, it's good it's very sci-fi serial villain too right 100 yeah, not just yeah you were you were yeah you were comparing them to james bond villains but it's very Oh yeah, it's Ming the Merciless. Too, oh, absolutely. Yeah, right? it's, it's it's all of them, right? It's it's it is written yeah. as a pastiche of what it is to be a a like serial villain, right? And like yeah, it's a very well done version of that because he even gets betrayed at the end and has the oh face as he dies, you know, like yeah, right, right, yeah. and it takes nine um, minutes to die while he tells her not to open the box, right. Right, it's beautiful. The whole thing is Build, beautiful. Building up to a final warning that he doesn't deliver because he talked too long. Yeah, it's, it's so, so good. good. Yeah. yeah, I've got just enough strength to tell you the following items that I will now tell you yes. in a moment. <laughs> oh, it's so it's I. Very yeah, good. it's so great. Um, Bezerides, uh has written at least one movie we've seen before. Okay, um, hit me. He wrote. Uh, way back when, um, at Spine 273, we watched Jules Dassin's Thieves Highway, which Bezer I do not remember it. Thieves Highway, Thieves Highway is the one, um, I only recall certain, certain images from Thieves Highway as I think about it. And only because I revisited the plot. Um, Thieves Highway is about a U.S. soldier of Greek descent who returns from the war, uh, and discovers that his father, an immigrant truck driver, uh, has had his legs broken by an unscrupulous fruit wholesaler in San Francisco. Oh, right. Okay. So Nick, yes, the main character, I remember the truck. Yes, okay. Yeah. Nick, the main character, comes with up with an elaborate plan to uh, deliver apples and also enact revenge on the fruit wholesaler, and that all f- goes to pot, uh, though eventually the fruit wholesaler is is brought to justice in the end. But... Uh, but yeah, so, um, but one thing about that is, you know, we have a lot of characters in this movie of, uh, who are, who are first generation immigrants, right? right. Um, uh, Nick, the Greek, uh, uh, mechanic and, uh, you know, the, uh, the Italian guy whose, whose records Mike breaks and, the, the other guy uh, the who carries Italian luggage up the who, stairs, um, who carries who's the, luggage, the most yeah. confusing character because his dialogue says the house I've lived in my whole life, but he speaks with was very clearly a first generation right, accent. Right, right, right. 
Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe maybe he grew up in a house speaking. Uh, parents never learned English. Yeah, but um, usually the children of anyway. immigrants don't don't. They might. It just doesn't don't happen have, that way. Yeah, it's just, yeah, that's not a thing that happens. I know it doesn't. So I, I don't understand I, his yeah. character. I was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> like, this is one like dialogue line. I'm like, okay. Did were your parents conducting some sort of science experiment on you that involved not teaching you, like, <laughs> like purposely confusing you or something? I don't know. Right, 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 right. But yeah, so you know, uh, Bezerides. As someone who inhabits his stories with, uh, with non, uh, non waspy characters, I guess. Right. Well, I mean, really you know, you do see, you to, do encounter. Know. One of the things you don't, you do, you kind of enter, end up with an interesting sort of mix because they aren't the main character, and right. they are. They do tend to be fairly stereotypical in a lot of ways, but they're also not the bad guys. You know what I mean? Right, they they right. fit into sort and of that this sort of yeah. gray area that exists around where it's like, and they, well, we didn't make any anybody who's an immigrant a bad guy. Yeah, they inhabit the whole spectrum, though. I mean, not not outright bad guys, but because uh, even the outright bad guys are are all all uh, Anglo-Saxon, right? Absolutely, yeah. Um, Descent, um, but you know we've got people, people who are—they're uh, all just the the flotsam and jetsam of society, right? Uh, and some of those people are people Mike has to threaten to get information, and some of those people are people Mike helps, even though he doesn't know that helping them is going to do anything for him, right? You know, he helps that guy with the luggage even before he knows that this guy is someone he can get information out of. And then because he helped that guy with the luggage, the guy uh, gives Mike information that he didn't even know right. that the guy so might Mike have. Mike Hammer right? operates on uh, yeah. adventure game logic where yeah, I don't know if this is going <laughs> to yes. be helpful later. I'll, if there's an action available, I'll just do it and assume yeah. that at some point and it'll pay off. The... Uh, the pair of African American uh, folks, um, the bartender and the singer at the mm-hmm. bar that Mike ends up getting blackout drunk at when they kidnap um, his assistant, uh, seem to be friends. Know him. Hmm. Uh, no, Nick have an established relationship other with characters, him. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So you know, and and that's not that's L.A. Right? You know, <laughs> there are no. Uh, or at least there shouldn't be um, uh, sort of uh, race barriers to uh, to interactions, at least at least on the tier of humanity that Mike lives in. Well, and I think and uh, that's I think where you kind of like, yeah, it, it's you, you know, it creates an environment in the, in the movie where it's like, oh, yeah, Mike is a kind of two ways to read it. Right. Because uh, for maybe for certain sensors and stuff, it's like, oh, well, you know, Mike. You know, it, it does portray a certain sort of social like level, right? But also, there's a sort of, oh well, like you know, anybody's fair game to get information from, right? Is sort of the is the like you can just sort of interact with anybody to get what you need, right? Right, it's right. Very, like yeah. Mike, char- Mike's character in the end is is highly sort of utilitarian in the sense that like just whatever works, right? Right, is sort of the idea. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. 
whatever works. Uh, there's um, there's two different bonus features, both fairly short, dedicated to location in this movie. Because um, this is one of those movies uh, where it's also historical uh, uh, timepiece. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's got, a, it sort of a snapshot of L.A., yeah of a thing that doesn't exist. Um, and that thing here being the, uh, the bunker Hill neighborhood. Um, and we get a little bit in some of those bonus features of, uh, stuff that still exists, but very little stuff still exists. Um, and that's mostly due to, as one of these bonus features actively points out, uh, uh, urban renewal projects through the latter half of the 20th century specifically the Los Angeles Community Redevelopment Authority, who were given the authority to declare eminent domain on anything they wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And we can guess exactly what they wanted to. Yeah. Well, their most most famous uh, is the destruction, the complete destruction of a huge Hispanic community to build the Dodgers Stadium that is also famously has a parking lot four times the size of the stadium. Right. Uh, just a huge, huge, huge waste of land right. <laughs> for uh, that displaced hundreds of families. Um, but they also destroyed all of Bunker Hill, too. Uh, a couple of our locations still exist. Um, the apartment where uh, uh, where Catherine had lived... Um, and we have that interaction with the old man carrying the luggage. Uh, that does still stand, apparently, or at okay. least did when when this was made. <laughs> and that's um, that's fully like twenty, thirty yeah. years, or you know, twenty yeah. years ago at this point, right? Yeah. Uh, the stairs where he throws the guy down them, uh-huh. uh, which incidentally is its own sort of uh, logical leap that they point out, because from the time that guy starts following him to the fight in the alley is one one block, one extant real-life block. Uh-huh. Uh, but then he turns around and throws the guy down the stairs, and the stairs are two miles away from, from that block. <laughs> so uh, so not quite true to reality. But, uh, but the stairs uh, seem to be gone, but the tunnel at the foot of the stairs is still there. Okay. Uh, so, so there's that, I guess. Um, and the little funicular still exists as well, because uh, that's harder to get rid of (laughs) but but yeah so yeah uh definitely an interesting little piece this is there's this is one of those ones where criterion throws so much at us from different angles in the bonus material uh where it's just like literally everything they could get their hands on yeah yeah it's just it's literally well you know we have a lot of some of it's some of it's interesting some of it's okay and then there's the Mickey Spilling, right? Which was <laughs> forty which was minute amazing. documentary. Like I, again, I just yeah. I can't, I like I can't let go of the fact that it felt exactly. Actually, you know what? It didn't feel like History Channel. It felt like A and E. It felt like yeah. old school A and E, like biography, like biopic, where like you would turn on that channel, and like. Everything would just be like I think that's a, fair. A, a biography of like X person, and it's like yeah, and it's like made by somebody who like has a serious hard on for this person. 
They all are. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> every single one of them was always like that. Yeah. Um, this is Cloris Leachman's film debut. She'd been doing stage and television acting prior to this. Uh, she's about 30, I think, when she makes this. We saw her recently, you might remember, in Last Picture Show, okay. part of the BBS box set. Um, and by the time, by the time, what, 15 years later, Last Picture Show's getting made? And, uh, and she's already playing an old woman. Hey, yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> but, that's well, right. fucking Hollywood, man. Yeah. Um, yep. Uh, and then would continue to play an old woman for the next 60 years. Well, that was, wasn't that one of her complaints in like one of the bonus materials for last picture show was like, I feel like yeah. didn't we, I feel like I'm we watched sure. the bonus material like, yeah, I got, you know, like, yeah. so, like basically being like, what the fuck are they doing? Making me an old woman basically kind of thing. Um, right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I have to imagine that the upside down opening credits are also everyone just laying their cards out of the contempt they have for this material. I guess like, so, yeah. I mean like you were expecting a mic hammer, this is an upside down mic hammer. We don't care uh and you know, it's obviously a purposeful decision, right? They're not you don't accidentally put that stuff right. <laughs> backwards, right? But uh but you know, it's just an indication of uh what you're about to get is that it's not what you're expecting. Um and you know, all those opening credits play and our only audio is Cloris Leachman running, so it's heavy breathing. Uh, opening up the door to to the oversexed nature of the rest of the rest of the well, movie yeah, as well. sort of. I mean, like it's it's very much you're like it's it is, but it's also like it's like obviously the heavy breathing. It's like sort of almost in itself of sort of right. parody because it's obviously the heavy breathing of like not that kind. You know yeah. what I mean? Like nobody's gonna make a mistake and think it's like what you know is it an actual sexual thing, right? It's that it's all right. just meant to like, kind of like poke fun at you. Hey, you, you dirty little perverts! Stop! Don't be. Yeah, yeah. And you know, all all authority figures in this movie uh, also treat Mike with contempt. Like the feds, the feds running down his list. Like Mike, Mike Hammer in the books, the popular Mike Hammer is not a uh, penny ante. Uh, uh, divorce guy, right? But like, of course not. Yeah, that's not that's not what he does, but that's what this movie frames him as. Um, his assistant is not his uh, seducer, like this movie frames him as. In the and I mean, no wonder Spillane hated the script. Well, but here's a th- one. It tried to it tried to elevate Spillane, but also it changed everything about well, my camera. That's an interesting thing about it, right? Is that like. Here's the thing, right? In that one documentary, the one the, the bad documentary, they yeah they have a they talk about real private eyes and like well you know, Hammer doesn't do any of the like real private eyes thing. That's not what right. real PIs are doing, except for right. this one, who is doing yeah. normal PI bullshit of like catching like men cheating on their wives and shit like that. It's like all just. Like 
run-of-the-mill bullshit, right? It's not the character that's playing rights, but it is. And it, like, it's still not accurate to PIs, but it's closer than what fucking Mike Hammer actually is, right? Right, right, right. Who's essentially, as, as previously yeah. discussed, the James Bond of, like, noir America, right? Like, essentially. Right. And, of course, none of those authority figures solve the case, right? You know, we are supposed to hate the police and the feds just as much. They're as useless as Mike is. In fact, right. You know. They're useless. Um, they're just in a, in a radically different way. Right. Because like, right. You know, they, they've in many ways spurred on what's happening through their sort of like blatant, not even incompetence, but like lack of ca- like, like disregard for like just anything. Right. Of even right. caring. But it's funny because you get to the one scene with Pat where it's like, yeah, you dumb fuck. Like, yeah, let me like let me say three words to you. See if you can figure out what they mean. Yeah, yeah. it's uh. like it's like the the contempt just hits this sort of pinnacle where it's like, hey, dumbass, you know, like, could you stop like essentially footballing around like like nuclear waste? Thank you very much. Like, yeah. don't help them find this shit because you're too stupid to figure things right. out. What's well, because like the thing yeah. that gets him right is is like the most like it's kind of a, part of the even the twist of it right is this thing that like in a sort of these kind of detective books the character the main character should always sort of be on top of oh she's not who she said she was she's just working for the bad guy right like he didn't bother to check or anything it's like oh you're bad at your job <laughs> like you're really really bad at your job yeah uh, it's sort of the sort of. Net you were half naked when I met you. I can probably trust you. Right, that's how this works. Uh, well, that's, let me invite you into well, my home. Well, it's very clearly making fun of the character, right? It's 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 a right. it's a thing Absolutely. you do to make fun of the character because if you like the character, you're not going to have him be fooled by that sort of easy of a play, right? James Bond doesn't get fooled right. by that kind of stuff because the people who write James Bond like James Bond. And want him to be like considered. <laughs> That's fair. Well, no, I mean, like, but like, in all seriousness, James Bond's always on top right. of that shit, right? Even when he does get when, caught unaware, he always comes out on top. Yeah, right. When James Bond is seduced by uh, a bad a bad woman pretending to be a good woman, uh, he's always fully aware that she's the bad right. person. Right, and then you get a and scene he's just using um, her for sex, exactly. and then gets her murdered. Right, exactly. Right. No, but like, and that's because the people who write James Bond like uh, James Bond movies yeah. like James Bond. Right, I would at like least to, until recently. Well, that might not be that might not be true of the most re- of the most I mean, recent ones. It, but it's, it's, it's still worth pretty while true. eventually to get to the point where like you know people treat James Bond the way they treat Mike Hammer in this movie, which is like, hey, <laughs> yeah, this guy's a piece of shit, isn't he? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm on board oh, for it. I, I'm I'm all for it, frankly. But you know, yeah, I. Uh, in until the really weird stuff starts happening until we first open the box yeah i had almost lost interest in this movie like i i don't know like like i did at times i my my interest waxed and wane to a certain extent like yeah some parts get a little bit slow i i kept my eyes open for like the thing about that got me though is like how its view of America is just so fucking weird that I kind of whenever yeah. I started to slip, it would catch me back up a little bit. Like, like you come into I don't remember the name of any of the characters, so don't 
what is his assistant's yeah, name? Right. I don't know what her name is. It starts with a V, I think. Um, uh, Velda. We come into Velda's name, apartment, and she's got a she's got a ballet studio, and she's doing ballet in her apartment, seemingly in her living yeah. room. That's that's pretty great. It's just it's like, huh? Yeah. Well, okay. There's good there's good money in whatever Mike Hammer does for a living in this movie. Yeah, apparently, so. like, because they're all rich as hell. But like, um, I, I just yeah. that one just got that was like. Right when the movie's like, I'm drifting away, the movie draws me back in with just like, wait, what now? Like, why is this happening? This is the scene you guys decided to shoot where, like, she's just in the middle of doing ballet, like, when he yeah. comes in. I, because why not? I guess she also wants to be an actress. I don't know. Um, yeah. Well, she and, they're all in she LA and now. every other woman in this movie, <laughs> with the with the possible exception of the nightclub singer, Every other woman in this movie is also oversexed, and yeah, and, and that's you know, Beza rides right to that. Like like about about Friday Evelo, the woman who greets him at the rich guy's house. Evelo, right, right, yeah. Evelo's sister. He's he says <clears throat> that he just wanted to make everyone interesting. So Mike meets a woman. She's a nympho. Just starts kissing him. Says says you don't taste like anyone I know. Uh, just, yeah, just me. I was just, just having fun. The, with it, the weirdest people says, you could meet. Right? Yeah, absolutely. It's just like yeah, just absolutely. Her name's Friday because she was born on Friday. She even says that. Yeah, I, uh, I like her the idea name's that Carl. What? What day was Carl born on? Uh, Carl's Day. You know. Yeah, the famous holiday. Like just the idea that yeah, her her absolutely. parents ran out of ideas after the first one. It's like I don't know after Carl. <laughs> Uh, we already thought of one day. Like, this seems like a lot of work. <laughs> just the idea that, like, yeah, this, uh, oh no, we 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 planned to just use every day of the week, but then we accidentally had two kids in the, both on Friday, and we got, just really ruined our, all of our yeah. plans. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. It's just like you're right. There are there are parts that are it it gets slow at times. Uh, it's not terrible yeah. though. I mean, it's well, it's. The mystery is not engaging as a mystery, is all. Well, that's because I don't think we know enough early on to even... Like, we don't even know that there's a MacGuffin, really. Oh, no, we don't find out the idea of a MacGuffin. He finds the MacGuffin. We don't right? figure... No, we find out there's a MacGuffin when we when we smash the hands of the coroner. That's when we find out there's right. a MacGuffin. We don't know what the... Yeah. It's truly, truly MacGuffin-y at that point, because all we know is there's yeah. a key, and if there's a key, there's a place with... The key opens right. something. There's something that there's going to be unlocks, something in there, right? like that. Yeah. And then the funny thing about it is, is that the movie like has played a sort of like a really slow beat there, and then after that, everything happens in like ten minutes. The whole rest yeah. of the movie happens in no time, right? Because like we go from I didn't know there was a MacGuffin to now the MacGuffin is yelling at yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, screaming and melting people's faces. Like, it's because you're, yeah. like, really, literally, like, he find the MacGuffin, it takes him no time. It's really actually kind of, like, again, it shows a lack of care for the subject matter in many ways, right? Like, there's no mystery trying to find what, where the MacGuffin is. His first guess right. is right, basically. Right. Right. It, it hap- he yeah. finds it in, like, one try. He immediately knows what the HAC is. He goes to the athletic club. Uh, <laughs> threatens threatens the doorman. Gets in. 
Um, later, we get a flash of the doorman dead yeah. as well. Oh, yeah. Which seemed weird. Like, I had to pause that to figure out who we who oh, I was seeing. No, dead I knew in that, that was the doorman. I was just trying to figure out. <laughs> yeah. In my mind, I was like, Why? well, maybe he got killed by the bad guy, or maybe he melted too. Yeah. Maybe he melted too. Maybe the radiation was too much for him. Uh, I just like the idea that, that, that like,. That like, <laughs> there's a different version of this movie where everybody just keeps opening the box all the time, and it's not so much of a it's not so much of like a conversation about like the Pandora's box of of nuclear weapons, but it's just like some other like well nobody can help opening the box, and so just everybody's opening the box all the fucking time, just like a string of dead bodies all over LA as everybody opens the box. <laughs> Melted people everywhere. Just a pile of corpses around the box. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah, The box never moves. Everybody just kills themselves as soon like opens the box. Ah, damn, another one. I'll just step over these bodies here to check out this box. If only the evil doctor had spent his last dying breath saying, "This box is not a box of honor." Uh, Yes, maybe someone would have kept from opening it. The thing, I this joke. Now you've you've derailed me completely. I understand this. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, this joke kills me because the ideas that they came up with to actually convey that message, because that message isn't written in words, are so much wackier yeah. and insane than the actual joke <laughs> right. about what the what the like what the idea you're trying to convey is. Like giant yeah. spiky sculptures in the middle of the forest, like like fucking radioactive cats, like. Well, actually, yeah. not even radioactive, sensitive to radioactive radioactivity, cats. Like, all the ideas they came up with to convey this information is so much more, f- like, fucked up than the actual... Well, we right. considered, what if we made an enormous five-meter-thick basalt slab that just covers up the thing that will just be so hard to get through that nobody will want to do it? Like, it's just all these, like, fucked yeah. up things. It's like... But all we can remember is the thing that they said. Uh, th- they said... Is oh, the, idea the words th- are also dumb. They all, the, well, <laughs> but, <laughs> it's you know, it's, no, they're not dumb. The, the words wanna, are the words are they are trying to they are trying to drill down to the basic message of like, please right. fucking do not open this under any circumstances, which would work. Right, this box should also be under a giant five meter thick basalt slab, surrounded by weird, spiky, scary sculptures that howl in the wind. Well, I think. That's one of the ideas, Adam. It's to build the sculpture so when the wind blows, it howls yeah. like a like a demon. Right. It's so right. like it's and so it's scary. Good. <laughs> and 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 yells at it you. Yells at you. Like, go away. Like, like the radioactive yeah, material exactly. in this movie. I love it. I yeah. love everything about it. As scary as it is. Yeah. No. The problem. The problem, and obviously the people considering these things are considering this problem too. Uh, but the problem, like this movie gets and into, somebody's going to want to open the box. Whatever you do. Whatever you do, you want to open the box. Right. Well, it's like, why would anyone well, want to keep me from opening this box? Right. Yeah. Like, clearly, there Human must curiosity is really too much. cool in this you box. You can't overcome yeah. it. And, like, yeah. and so, like, you know, it's just, I always, I, but my, you know, the cats are the best. The cats are, the cats are the true yeah. best answer. It's like, well, why good. does this cla- cat change to a weird color every time it gets near this area? It's, it's not going to fix anything, but it is still pretty cool. It is, it is just going to make people more curious. I know, I know, though. but it's still uh, very well. That's yeah, that's the challenge, right? Everybody's going to want right. to open the box, right? No matter how scary, the more scary you make it, you're just going to convince a, the some more people sixteen are going year to old open the box. is definitely yeah. going to want to open the fucking box. Yeah, and then or some, you know, happens. 
<laughs> some 30-year-old woman uh, is going to be convinced that there must be something very expensive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that, and therefore, I should shoot anyone trying to warn me about it. The funny thing is, is like, and you kind of get into sort of like a weird point there, right? Because it's like, well, Mike Hammer opens the box, and clearly, it's yeah. a painful thing to do, and immediately right. shuts the box, right? But yeah. you kind of get a sort of um, a la Raiders of the Last Ark or any of these other sorts of things that are, you know literally engaged with this in sort of a conversation with this is like, ah, but she's committed to the idea of fucking opening this box and just like letting it, oh, yeah. letting it go. Like let it ride. Like as this thing melts my face off, here I am. Like you could shut the box. Um, but no, apparently not. Just going to burn down this beach house instead. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> Eventually explode the beach house too. Yeah. I I like the idea that 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 whatever fissionable material is in that box uh, can just like burn a house down. Yeah. Uh, well, if it can, it, if it can burn skin, it can. Yeah. Uh, if it burn can, wood. if it can give you a a somewhat painful rash, it can of course burn a house yeah. down. It follows. <laughs> right. Yeah. The logic. <laughs> it's a, it's all sound logic. I know. I just, I yeah. just love it because, like, just the idea that, like, w- like, I don't know. I'm just fascinated by the idea of saying to yourself, like, oh yeah, like, how do we represent this, this dangerous force? The answer, the answer they come up with is good. It's just also funny. Yeah. Like a screen, yeah. a, a oh, blinding, absolutely. screaming light is a very like good representation. It's just a very silly one too. Uh, that is funny yeah. to think about. Yeah. No. If. If uranium always screamed, it would be better for humanity. True. Actually. Yeah, I mean, true. Although your smoke alarm would be hell to deal with. Um, it's true. It's true. Not, not, well, yeah, but it, it essentially already screams. It does right? scream a lot, actually. <laughs> Have I mentioned yeah. that I don't replace the batteries? My nose. Why does my yeah. smoke alarm scream all the time? Um, yeah, no, I don't. I just, I'm just fascinated by it. It's just a neat thing, and it's so funny that like a bunch of people copied it. Which is a yeah. thing we had to we think we do need to engage talk about and engage with is the fact that like a bunch of people saw this, copied it, and then took it in really different directions than what yeah. this is taking it. Like Yeah. You know. Well it's so so the big ones are dichotomies, right? Cox and Tarantino just use glowy box as MacGuffin. Yes. Uh there's nothing dangerous inherently radioactive there's not no there's nothing not dangerous it's sort of it's it's a sort of neutral item that is is dangerous in the fact that like the owner is going to be killed but not by the box right 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 yeah but uh but it's for for repo men if i remember correctly and certainly i'd say for uh for tarantino um it's almost enlightenment it's forbidden knowledge right right? yeah it's something Yes, it, it it is, and and we we as the audience can't know what is in it, and everyone is curious about what's in it. But opening it, opening it won't murder you. Like, yeah, like I, I would say that, like I'm trying to um, remember. I've never seen Repo Man, but I've you know, yeah. I I'm trying to think. Like, I wonder if it, the argument could be made that it does damn you in the Tarantino film in uh, in Pulp Fiction. I think, I think it, it sort of damns you. One could make it. Yes, like that forbidden knowledge I, I is damning that. in and of itself. But like, yeah. the thing about it is, is that yeah. on the other hand, um, on the flip side, 
they're very, I would say that I again I don't, I've never seen Repo Man, but it does seem like they're engaged with it as like in a serious way, as like this isn't a silly thing to put in a movie, right? Um, and on the other hand, you know, you've got you got your Spielberg. Well, Repo Man is a silly. Movie, well, I, I, so I guess I've never seen too. Repo Man, but, but like. Um, yeah. I also think most Tarantino movies are silly, but sort of on a more core level yeah. than than on than on a like yeah. I'm trying to be Repo Man is meant to be a comedy, right? Okay, see so there you go. That's what I, that's what I'm we'll trying to go for mind. there. Yes, um, it's not purely a way to to forge your foot fetish. Um, on the other hand, um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, on the other hand, uh, Spielberg's engaged with it on the sort of metaphorical level that like this movie sort of way you know gestures at sort of like wildly which is the idea of this like truly like opening this box will kill you please don't open the box right um which because spielberg i think is much more interested in the idea of it as a metaphor for things like um you know nuclear holocaust and stuff like that like oh actually in repo man it is it is a dangerous device i've just remembered it It is meant to be a nuclear device in repo okay so so repo man's engaged with it it's been a long time since i've seen repo man almost exactly on the same level that this is engaged with it so you you've got tarantino engaged with it as like a as a sort of in a very sort of i would say sort of straightforward way in that like i'm going to have this thing be the thing it is in this movie but like not even have it melt people's faces off because i'm not making a science fiction movie um Right, you got Repo Man, which has apparently just decided to make it exactly what it is in this movie, which yeah. is again works because it, it, I don't think it murders anyone in quite the same way. But but, but yes. it, it is still dangerous in and of itself for like yeah. you know and probably the maybe not quite as dangerous. And then you get like Raiders of the Lost Ark, where it's like no 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 opening the box will kill you and everybody in the vicinity at least. Which is engaging with it on the sort of like nuke on the idea that it is the concept of nuclear weaponry as as a concept, right? Um, right, right, right. It's just interesting how many. It's interesting, and I and I bet, I'd bet my bottom dollar that there's a bunch of movies we don't know about that also engage with this the same idea because this was clearly a thing that like sort of brainwormed a lot of people when they saw it. You know what I mean? This idea was really really enticing to a lot of people uh, a lot of creative people i think yeah um <laughs> repo man gets a lot weirder about it too uh it's a great movie i think we'll eventually watch repo man uh for the is it is it actually collection. in criterion collection or are you just gonna have to make a bonus list with it on it i mean if it's not in the criterion collection we will have to make a bonus but it is in the criterion okay collection. well there you go then uh 654 it's actually not that far away okay well there you, uh, go. you know yeah. a year and a half but yeah um anyway raiders obviously uh fully unknowable knowledge right but unknowable knowledge in a much more classical sense well cl- uh, well classical it's cl- in the classical sense which which aligns very well with you know the i you know anti nuclear armament sort of stance right the right. idea that this unknowable knowledge is unknowable for a, a fucking good reason thank you very much uh, yeah and that we have to stop the nazis from getting yeah it. please don't let the uh, nazis get it which you know stand in for just like bad people right well and the thing is yeah, is that yeah. like Raiders of the lost ark is really actually pretty interesting about a lot of that stuff because it's also definitely coded that letting the americans have it is bad too yeah, <laughs> it's, yes. it's definitely like, oh, no, 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 nobody should have this. Uh, thank you very much. But the Americans still end up with it in any way. But like, yeah, 
Uh-oh. It's an interesting movie to think about. Right. Too d- more deeply than you probably should. This movie is interesting in a sort of different way because we don't get any resolution to the idea that, like, anybody does anything with the box, right? Like, presumably, the house burns down, the box is still there. Oh, actually, you know what? Another thing that is fun about this movie and uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark is they both su- they both have the, the Indiana Jones effect, which is... Mike Hammer not being there would have no impact on the way this on the way the story inf- unfolds. <laughs> the same yeah. thing would have happened if Mike Hammer had never shown up. <laughs> Basically. Um that is I guess that is unfortunately true about the events of But that's also <laughs> that's one of the beautiful lost, things about this movie arc. and that. Like it's like yeah. Yeah. Like presumably she would still be there cuz she is his like lover and his, or his companion and presumably yeah. she would be overwhelmed by the temptation to open it. To the point right. of murder. So cool, I guess. I like my movies to do that because I think it's the most fun thing a movie can do is to have the main character be essentially meaningless. Yeah. Yeah. So. And Mike is. Yeah. Uh, it's the per- it's the perfect thing for Mike to be, frankly, is, is yeah. fundamentally useless in his own movie. Other than just getting some extra people killed who would not have been killed. Frankly, all that Mike Hammer does is increase the body count of people he likes. Right. Right. If Mike hadn't pursued this, uh, Christina would be dead, obviously. But Nick wouldn't. Yeah. Nick wouldn't. Um, A bunch of the... The doorman at the Hollywood... Actually, the doorman at the Hollywood Athletic Club could go either way. Because eventually the the bad guys are going to figure out it's there. Right. Right. It's up in the air. But like, if if you also just weigh in the number of people who just get beaten up and threatened... Like, I don't know. It just... And there's at least one record with his, you know, that's his that he killed. Uh, but no, I mean, like, just, yeah. it, one one has to assume that he he at least increased the body count by one, but also seemingly is just also walking around causing a lot of trouble for a lot of people for no reason, basically. Yeah. Um. One thing I appreciate that this movie did uh, that's kind of a small detail, and I don't even know why I noticed it, is that the second time Mike comes around to the reporter's apartment. Uh huh. He's healed a little bit. Okay. Uh, his radiation burns aren't aren't as bad, um, though. Also, he's not just burned. When we first meet him, he's got like he's been punched in the face, uh, scars. Right. Um. But yeah, um, yeah. It's just, <laughs> you're right. Yeah. If Mike didn't get involved here, there'd be there'd be fewer dead people, uh, and presumably the plot still wouldn't have come to fruition because Gabriella still would have opened the box. Exactly. So, yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. I I that's the best thing you can do with it with a to, to, to think, tell your audience exactly who your main character is. Right. And I think that really gets us back to the nuclear war warnings too that unfortunately <laughs> someone's going to open the box. Yes. Uh yeah. And and you know, that's something we've w- We've talked about recently, even you know. You know last week we had a movie uh, set in Japan at the onset of World War II, or just before the onset of World War II. So we don't really talk about the bomb in that context, but the bomb looms in that context, right? right? And then two weeks ago we had the movie that is principally about Einstein dealing with his guilt about the bomb right. with insignificance. Um, we've been pretty bomb heavy. For yeah, the last, yeah. It last really feels weeks. like maybe Criterion uh, has picked a theme for some reason again. Yeah, and then before that we had the Great Dictator, uh, which 
also doesn't deal with the bomb directly, but still <laughs> deals with World War II. Um, so yeah, it's been well, it's I mean, been a weird and, little and theme that way, recently. Regardless, I mean, even if we if we see the sort of the bomb is ancillary because it's you know sort of the, the the sort of final pinnacle of World War II. It's definitely all movies dealing with World War II as a right. and it's sort of lasting right, right. effects on American on like society, right? Uh, Japanese or American yeah. society, either way. Um, right, and and the English language ones at least are all uh, formatted as warnings about continuing down this path. Right. Right. Uh, um yeah. Yeah, whether or not this is an anti-nuclear message is maybe I, I mean maybe it's, above above its Yes, it is it is stretching grade, things but, a bit. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Although definitely that argument was made multiple times in multiple you know areas of the sort of things that accompanied with this uh this movie. Yeah. yeah. So there's definitely people who have spent there's definitely some people who spent too much time thinking about it who have definitely decided it's an anti-nuclear message. Whether or not the the text definitely supports right. that or not, um, but yeah, certainly it is something that that shows an ill effect from a nuclear thing. Um, well, and and in a, in a really in overblown and sort of insane way for like the thing, right? Yeah, like right. it's it's right in the grand scheme of things, we don't ever find out what the villain wants it for. We it doesn't actually matter right. what he wants it for because just. The act of it existing and yeah. having it is itself a dangerous thing, right? Like it doesn't right. matter. The thing what he the actually, is. yeah, right. The thing he actually talks too much about before saying when he dies is who he's going to deliver it to, right? Right. That's that's what he's trying to convey in those final moments. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's you know the whole. I don't know if Bezerides or. Uh, or Aldrich necessarily want us to view nuclear bombs, period, as the Pandora's box in the same way that certainly Insignificance or Oppenheimer do. Right. Uh, that you can't unring that bell. Um, but this is still, you know, it works as a metaphor for that because we are dealing with those things. I just don't know if they were putting that much intellectual weight into doing that sort of thing. I don't. Right? I don't think necessarily um, we do. I think it was more. I I would argue that probably again. I I I like I, I said. I think other people have read a lot into it. I would argue that probably what maybe. they're going for. It's definitely possible. Um, I don't know though. If if Bezerides or or Aldrich have. Any amount of of left leaning sentiment in 1956, and they both seem to have. Aldrich comes from an American political family, but he's the black sheep for getting into Hollywood, and uh, and he was hanging out with leftists certainly. Um, but if if this movie exists as a critique of Mike Hammer, and Mike Hammer is so implanted into American culture of the time as, uh as an icon of America as the world's police. Right. And the the thin line between chaos and freedom that certainly the Mike Hammer types become by the time we get to Dirty Harry. Right, yes. Or, uh, or uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, we don't even have to get that far. Yeah, we get there, we get there pretty <laughs> yeah. fast. Yeah. Um, 
I don't think it's that big of a leap to say uh, that this movie could be read as a the U.S. shouldn't have the bomb. And, and and Mike's pursuing of this nuclear capability is something he doesn't understand, cannot comprehend, and will get us all killed. Well, and and the uh, and the you kind of can follow that to a, a secondary conclusion, which is the pursuit of fi- of getting this thing inherently unleashes it in and of itself, right? Like it becomes right a force that is now a part of the world. Um, yeah, where it, where it be wasn't controlled. it wasn't before, right? It was in a box. Yeah. And now it's not in a box right. anymore. Well, I mean, it is in a box, it was, but it's melting people. Yes. Right. It was just buried underground screaming, and now you've you've brought it to the surface. Right. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is oh, an man. interesting it is an interesting thing to think about, right? Like again, it, it's possible like but that's, you know, that's sort of where you get to the sort of best of these kinds of things tend to be this way where it's like, well, Right. We're not going to make it like otherwise. It's just a dude looking at you on the screen saying the bomb is bad. We should not have made the bomb. <laughs> right, right. Which is right, not right, not a, does right. not make for a terribly interesting um, uh, film. It it also doesn't make for a very uh, uh, good warning uh, right. <laughs> to just you know better to build the giant screaming monument and the weird cats. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I hey, know. you know, you got to uh, do something. I, you gotta try something. I still feel like I still feel like Oppenheimer could have taken a little more of Oppenheimer turning to the camera and saying, Hey, the bomb is right. bad. Now uh, alternatively but, is a world where they just make up a whole new fiction for him and he gets obsessed with making the cats. <laughs> I'd be the nuclear sensitive cats. Are just the idea of like, oh, we decided to down. fan fiction up Oppenheimer because frankly the man kind of sucks, and we're not that interested but, in him. So here you go. Here's him trying to breed yeah. nuclear-sensitive cats. Right, right. I guess, you know, stepping back a second, really what I'm saying is if if Bezerides and Aldrich have enough sensibility, and they seem to have enough sensibility, to recognize why Mike Hammer is popular in the American consciousness— mm-hmm. And not just be mad that he is popular in the American which consciousness, does not seem which to be what they doing. might be as well. They might be. It uh, might be both, right? But like, yeah. Uh, I think. I think by nature, making a movie that is critical of the Mike Hammer character, in the way that this movie is critical of the Mike Hammer character, is by extension critical of American foreign policy, right? Yeah, and domestic policy, really. Uh, but maybe not. I don't know. It definitely could have gone farther in that line if that's what they were trying to do. Yeah, but, I think it's. I my suspicion uh, is it's more of maybe a a sort of secondary, yeah. like uh, not necessarily an I mean, afterthought, but a hey, isn't this a yeah? Bezer Bezerides has talked a lot about this script, particularly right all all through the years, and one thing he has said before is that he didn't mean it to be a metaphor; that he was really just having fun with it. And wanted to make every scene and every character interesting, so there's that. Right. But I mean, we've had <laughs> both things can be true at the same time, right? You yeah. can accidentally write metaphors; it happens all the fucking time. Right. Like, like you know, it's fine. Yeah. Like he didn't intend it to be that way, and that's a totally reasonable thing for him yeah. to to to, to but, say, right? Like, I but mean, hey, it happens in describing all the time. In, in, in describing in his automatic writing. 
you know, in as much as that might be true, and it's not necessarily completely true, Bezerides doesn't really mean it's auto- certainly not in the traditional sense of automatic writing, but um, which is a scam. But <laughs> um, but uh, you know, in in this idea that he is just grabbing things from the zeitgeist and popular and whatever exactly. he was interested things in, he's thinking about at the time and stuff like yeah. that, right? This as a nuclear warning is quite possibly something he's thinking yeah, 1955, about. Yeah, nineteen fifty-five. He's writing a script for like. Yeah. And then, like, he goes to this. That I mean, that feels like, that does feel like a I can't stop thinking about this thing sort of yeah. scenario, right? Also, turns out I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong. It looks like now that I'm seeing a pronunciation guide, it's Buzzer Uddies. Uh, okay. Not Rides, Uddies. Uh, anyway, correct and try to move forward. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah, I think, uh, I think you go either way. Um, he's definitely, I don't know, the interviews with him, he's a weirdo too. So, yeah. uh, who knows? <laughs> but yeah, to take him at his word, he does not mean anything by this, but even not meaning anything by it has never, has never actually meant anything. Well, right. <laughs> like, it, absolutely. You know, like it's not, lots of directors have told us that they weren't. Yeah, have said over the years like yeah. I wasn't trying to do X, Y, or Z. Like, yeah, okay, right. fine. Like, I and mean, there are things that you were obviously trying to do, and we're not reading too much into the work to say you were obviously right. trying to do this because there's no other way. Right, and like, <laughs> yeah. and worst, and the and the you know, even if we give them the benefit of the doubt, which we do often, and plenty of times, it comes out as like, yeah. well, yeah, but like your subconscious is a part of what happens in your mo- in your movie that you made or wrote, right. you know, like you're not, you know, and, and I don't think we need to argue, you know, we're not like this guy's can just say that and it's fine, but you know, come on, probably. Yeah. You were thinking about nuclear war a lot in 1955. Hmm. That's not that big of a shock. That's sensible. Yeah. Right. Seems yeah. pretty much like a lot of people were for good reasons. So, right. Yeah. I mean, if, if anything, it's definitely uh, his and Aldrich's influence that the bad guys weren't named as communists or Soviets. Right. right. <laughs> Which is kind of what I kept waiting. I is, was waiting for somebody to say yeah. to the Russians, and they don't ever say to the Russians. So I'm like, oh, wow. that's That was the most unexpected part for me was the fact that we were not overtly right. selling this to the Russians. And no one's really got a Russian accent or a Russian name nope. either. Like they, uh, they, yeah. they, much like the thing for the MacGuffin for most of the movie, the bad guy is inscrutable. We don't know anything about yeah. anything. And I and that, that's kind of fun because it's like, ah, yes, this person, we will never know what that person's motivations are other than to sell it to right. presume, maybe, like not even sell it, give. It's very unclear. You know, so it's well. This is fifty-five. So Henry Ford was dead by now, but lots of was he? <laughs> I'm a Henry Ford conspiracy theorist. This movie is highly influential artistically. Uh, it can be read politically if we want to, and we've we've spent some time doing. And I don't think when dealing with nuclear power, it is unavoidable. 
you know, there's there's no apolitical stance here, right? Right. All the stances are tied into politics so deeply, even even beyond the fact that you and I believe everything is tied into politics so deeply. But there there are things where you can't really argue that they're like, not. yeah, you there's <laughs> no there yeah you you're you're fully in the like you're not allowed to, you're not no one thinks you're allowed to say that. <laughs> right. Right. So yeah, and obviously it's very the nuclear power in here is very sci-fi. You know, it's not, it it somehow exists as something between raw uranium and a functional bomb. Right. It's Slash just the hand of God a, itself, yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, I still love its portrayal. The the demon screaming every time the box <laughs> yes, opens yeah. is just such a good, I do love it. Um, doesn't make any sense whatsoever. No, but it's beautiful. But it, it, it is, it is. Yeah. How can we make this as threatening as humanly possible? Right. And they succeed. But again, they succeed not in a way that makes people not want to open the box. Right. And that's uh that's the problem. And and just yeah, like I don't know. The best the best part though is that like if if I, I, I just I don't know. I, I was I was kind of hoping. I had this sort of one glimmer of hope that didn't didn't come to fruition. Like uh, when when his friend frenemy Pat yells at him, I was like, "Please let, mm-hmm. please let Mike Hammer die of radiation poisoning at the end of this movie." <laughs> well, uh, the original ending sort of implies that. Well, not even the original ending. So what we watched is the original ending, right? Um, but very shortly after it premiered, uh, until 1997, this ending did not exist. So. Everyone who's ever been influenced by this movie did not see the ending of this movie as we saw it. Right. Uh, Cox didn't see it like that. Truffaut didn't see it like that. Spielberg didn't see it like that. Um, the original or the the ending everyone saw is much shorter. It's uh, um, it's only got four cuts instead of twelve. It loses over a minute of footage, and Gabrielle opens the box. We cut outside. The building is on fire. Velda and Mike never escape in that cut. Right. And I personally think that much of what makes this movie so influential is the fact that they saw that cut. Yeah. It just ending with the main character being also vaporized probably has a pretty resounding impact on a lot of future filmmakers, right? Like, oh, like... You don't know for sure, but you're fairly certain that that thing yeah. killed everybody. Like it's and it, that's more yeah. impactful than him and, running outside into the water. Like it just right. is. And if there if there's an anti nuclear message in this movie, Mike does have to die. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. It, it just it works better. It just it does yeah. as far as anti nuclear messaging is concerned, and it also just makes the movie more it just makes it more engaging it just makes it more interesting like you're like you're going to remember that movie a lot more than you would remember the movie you and I saw basically right, right. because you're going to remember uh, the fact even, that like oh yeah mike hammer got blasted out of right. existence he doesn't exist anymore and he, even for our our screenwriter and director's allusions to classical myth and and story you don't uh, get to run away from the box of once that, it's open yeah yeah 
Right. Pursuit of that unknowable knowledge destroying you is is how so many of those stories end. Right, yeah, right? you don't get to like now, run away. Now, of course, you know. Of course, we do lean heavily on Pandora's box and left in Pandora's box after everything escapes is hope. Uh, Pandora's box well, ends with we, with we, a little note. Yeah, we le- but, we lean on Pandora's box up to a point, right? But like, yes, there's no right. I Yes, you could argue that like them making it out to the beach is hope, but it's not. It's still a bleak ending. It's just, yeah, it's just not as cool bleak. If that makes sense, it's a right, less right, fun right, right. bleakness than finding out that Mike yeah. Hammer got nuked, right? Which is like you know, <laughs> well, if you think about also like if you think about like so it's nineteen fifty five, Mike, you know, Mike Hammer's like the most popular character like ever right at this point or, or is extremely yeah. popular right so like all those directors and stuff we're talking about are relatively young people at the time they're very engaged they probably have also read those books and stuff um or, yeah. or will and so th- this movie becomes in conversation with that and then the thing this movie does is extremely engaging if you've like if you're like into the character or you're, you're familiar with the character was like oh yeah he just gets blasted out of existence like this, oh, yeah. this that's that's I, that's the thing of that like will make a movie like burn itself into people's brains that like yeah. places like Disney don't seem to actually fully understand, which is like Right, right. Yeah. I mean, listen, Spillane would have hated the script. Hammer fans would have hated this movie yeah. long before we get to that point. But uh, of course. But to end it on that point. Well, it's it's the sort yeah. of right, final, but like, yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? Is that you get this real? You actually engage a really specific and very wide middle zone there, which is like, yes, Blaine would obviously hate this script, hate this ending, and you're like hardcore. You're real intense. Uh, Mike Hammer fans would hate it, but you get that really wide yeah. middle ground of people who maybe aren't quite as obsessed. Who are like, oh damn, right. I didn't see that coming. Right, you know what I mean? Like nobody expects you to to you know liquefy the hero. Right, right, <laughs> yeah, and of course you know uh, <laughs> they've still got radiation poisoning. Oh yeah, they're all they toast. Escaped or not? <laughs> right. The, the box it's was nineteen fifty five. It doesn't exist yet. It hasn't been invented. Yeah, that uh, that beach house definitely didn't have lead walls. So. Right. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> yeah, how heavy does that box have to be? Uh, First off, the, the denseness of the material in well, it, but I, also the fact that it's I, I'm fasc- it's soundproof and radiation. Right. I'm fascinated by the idea that either the box is made of like pretty thick lead, or alternatively, yeah. it's just radiation poisoning everybody around it at all times. And like maybe, we, maybe. this movie doesn't engage with the fact that everybody who's been anywhere near this box is already dead meat. Maybe it only screams when exposed to air. Oh, so, so it's like a magnet. It's not actually radiation. It's like some sort of weird magnesium or lithium or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some sort of like pure sodium or something. Um, maybe that's that's maybe. an interesting uh, theory. That, that you know, it's nuclear. It's radioactive sodium. It's what's going to be in a sodium reactor, apparently. Yeah, uh, which is not. That's not what yeah. that is. But it's fine. The, the the original ending is better. It just is. I didn't even see it. I think that's better. Fair. I just know it's better. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I do think that's fair. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if there's anything else to talk about here. I don't. It's I don't know. Episode, the movie is like the movie is. It's it. it like I said, it, it accomplishes the goal that it set out for, and and does so with a sort of panache that I think is is admirable. Right? Like it. It is both very stupid and also very well made at the same yeah. time, which is which is a thing you don't encounter very often. Uh, in your life, and I love it for that. I wouldn't want to watch it again because yeah. I'm not a masochist. I don't want to give my, like, right. as you pointed out, things about it are pretty slow at times. Um, right. Yeah. And I don't, you know, even obviously Spillane hates this. And in that bonus feature, we have a bunch of Spillane fans talking about it. So they don't need to like this. Um, but I think even as like the hardboard detective, the mystery's not bad. Hey, it's not. It's uh, not. You know, it's movie. It's not. It, it's not the best, but no, it yeah. it works. We've got some twists, some surprises. Yeah. Uh, you know the uh, the reveal that Carver's been dead for weeks. So who's Gabriella? Right. Yeah. You don't. You know, you, the, you as uh, the audience have no way to even remotely predict right. that so it does come as a surprise yeah. um and of course the box itself comes as a surprise because yeah, it's you so have out of left no field idea that, that it exists and that, right. that that's to me that's yeah. the most engaging part of the movie really is the fact that you're like wait what now where did this come from i really think if the maltese falcon were just a collapsed star screaming at you <laughs> yeah uh it also would have been more interesting very it's true just, just the idea just that, that the yeah the MacGuffin as something wholly unknowable is fascinating. Well, and that's why uh, it shows up in a bunch of things that we know it shows up in. And I, like I said, I, I right, suspect right. shows up in yeah. a bunch of things we also don't know it shows up in. Like that's just right. And oh, if you combine certainly. that with it, then killing the main character, you have a recipe to like yeah. twist the minds of a bunch of very impressionable like sixteen-year-olds. Right. And, and, you make, know, the and stuff, make them into the stuff weird film directors when they get older. Yeah. The stuff that's influenced is so popular that the people being influenced by it now may not may not even know that they're being influenced by Kiss Me Deadly, right? Right. As oh, the, yeah. It's, the, it's second the or third. The Tarantino, the Cox, point, yeah. the, the Spielberg influences are are themselves high enough. Yeah. The, you're, you're getting second, anything, third hand. Right. It, and that's, that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a whole other fascinating thing to think that, like, this movie's, like, lineage throughout the rest of sort of filmmaking history it could it will and for all intents and purposes probably continue to like go on in perpetuity for quite a long time uh just second third fourth fifth hand you know what i mean and that's fascinating to think about that like how many years are we away from not only people who are making it because making doing this sort of things because of your Spielbergs or your Tarantinos, but then people who make a thing f- because of a thing that was influenced by Tarantino that was influenced by like, you're not that far away from that happening, right? You're like maybe what, 10, 20 more, 15 more years before that. So right. that's, I don't, that's very, that's a really fascinating thing to think about to me. Yeah. Um, and I think I, I think honestly, this is one of the more fascinating sets of bonus materials we get 
on a Criterion release in a while because we have we have the Spillane super fans get their own forty minute set, right. and then equal in time almost is Alex Cox talking about it as an anti nuclear parable. Uh, uh, the locations. Uh, the locations are interesting because it's just like that's just like we don't get bonus materials like that very often. You know what I mean? Yeah, we you know we've we, had them we every have, so yeah, often, particularly they're, they're with ones that rare. that capture a time and place. Uh, but to have it end with a a, a condemnation of <laughs> urban renewal projects is just not something yeah. I was <laughs> expecting. Like this stuff could exist if not for the evils of LA's community. Re- they literally they literally call the community redevelopment authority. Uh, they compare it to a bad guy out of a film noir film, like. <laughs> <laughs> like that's right. the wording that 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 the I mean, bit it, uses. It works it's so, so right? good. It, it, it is well. Yeah. It, it's fascinating because that's like a whole another. That's a whole sort of another social paradigm that existed and has sort of faded away. But the, the real estate developer as a and like real yeah. estate commissions and stuff like that existing as like fundamentally and unengageable bad guys. Bad. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Ah. Uh, so yeah. It's it's a really great set. Uh, yeah, it's one I might have to actually purchase instead of just get from the library. Uh, but yeah, and just... Just, the, just to have the bonus materials because you, you're not going to watch my yeah. ca- my cameras uh, kiss me deadly again. You might. It's, I might. It's, 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 listen, it's, it's, I think, it's an okay... Like, it's a fairly I think the movie's watch. rewatchable. I think... I think... Um, like... Uh, like the third man, I would get a joy out of watching someone watch That's this true. movie for the first watching time. Watching somebody like when <laughs> watching somebody see the reveal of the box would be a, yeah. a fairly interesting thing to see because you'd be like, absolutely. That watching them respond to have the same sort of like, wait, what now? Uh, when did this yeah. become a science fiction movie? About two seconds ago. That's <laughs> right. when. <laughs> right now. Yeah, just now. Yes. Was it five minutes ago? It is now. Right, right. As the just imagining the anticipation I would have watching someone's face as we get yeah, just to the, the idea of like club, you watching somebody to just giddily staring yeah. at somebody's face. Like, why yeah. are you looking at me like that? Just watch the movie. Oh, just hold on, keep watching. You'll understand <laughs> in a minute. Yeah. Uh but yeah, yeah. It's it was really fun. I I was yeah, and you know, your critiques are right. Uh, <laughs> And and there are times where it's a little slow. Like uh, honestly, I mean, I, in watching I, some I, of the bonus don't get materials, me wrong. I watched the whole thing. Like I didn't, I didn't like play I, on my phone or something. I watched the whole thing. I was yeah. engaged enough. I just am unclear in my mind whether or not it would be a fun noir film to watch again. You know what I mean? Right. Like for right, yourself. Right. Yeah, I get that. As as a point of influence, you know, we, and we talked about the American influence, you know, the the Italian, or not the Italian, the the French guys taking this and running with it in a completely different direction than any of any of the English-speaking directors we've yeah. already talked about. Um, well, and, and they're engaged with it in really a much more contemporary too. way, right? They're not, they're not right. 20 years on, they're contemporaries with this film directly, basically. Right. Uh, which right. is a whole kind of, yeah. that's fascinating of itself, too, is the idea that, like, they saw this and were like, "Oh fuck yes, let's do it." Yes, 
and did it they did yes. to better and worse results. Sometimes good, <laughs> sometimes bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, just the the randomness of the nuclear plot um, almost made me think more of Pierre Lefeu than anything yeah, else. Yeah, no, Certainly yeah, I would agree, yes, 100%, which is, yeah. Just the fact that, that the things happening are still out there. It's like, it's where, like, where you as the audience are like, why is this happening? What is yeah. what is going on here? Why is this happening? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's really great. Uh, obviously, a, a linchpin in a lot of uh, other things that I love and, and their creation, Kiss Me Deadly. From 1955, I kept saying 56 throughout this episode too, I think. But anyway, from 1955, uh, directed by Robert Aldrich, uh, written by AI Buzz Buzzerides. We opened, we opened talking about how he puts Greek immigrant characters into his thing. I don't know why I never thought to pronounce his last name as if it were Greek. But anyway, <laughs> we dropped the ball. Correct that say? for the future. Yeah, I do it all the time. Mispronouncing people's names is what I do. It's kind of part my, of the shtick of the show, yeah. It is part of the show. Uh, but yeah. Oh, one other thing about this movie that uh, Wikipedia brings up. Um, that that really famous anti-comic books yeah. book from the 50s about how, how comic books were ruining kids. Yeah. yeah, I think this is mentioned in the Spillane documentary, too. It does. Um, Spillane is the only non-comic book author yeah it's the only, the only actual like novel yeah like like yeah, that aren't comic books i i thought that was interesting too i i was like oh you know but that's that's the weird thing right is that like part of the system of like sort of like fascist reproduction that exists in this sort of work is like making that making those things themselves forbidden knowledge too right uh right and then like that just right. you know that makes it all the more enticing to all, all those would would be, uh, like, you know, those like ten year olds or whatever, right? So, right. So, you know, that helps it. Sort lasting of message from Kiss Me Deadly. Uh, don't don't open the nuclear waste. Yeah, just website. never open the box. <laughs> just don't open the box. Never open the box. Like no matter. Don't what. open the nuclear waste. Don't die. Yeah. Please pay attention to uh, the weird spiky sculptures that scream in the wind. Okay. Yeah. They're there for your and protection. Don't, yeah. Be be scared by them yeah. and run away. Do what you're supposed don't, to do. Don't don't think. Well, someone obviously built these spiky things. We got to figure yeah, this they, out. They don't want us to get. They don't want us to get to a thing. It's probably gold. Yeah, it's probably or really whatever. cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, really why cool. is that cat turned yellow? Ah, uh, don't worry about it. He's <laughs> turning the color of money. Right. Uh, I forget. I forget exactly what yeah. color the the cats are supposed to turn. I can't remember anymore. Right. They're supposed to do something very weird. Is all I know. All I can remember. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Kiss Me Deadly from 1955. Great film. Very happy to have watched it. Next week, uh, we're watching a 1930 German silent film called People on Sunday, uh, which seems like it's going to be pretty interesting. It is directed by Robert Sidemack, who we've seen from before, and it'll be his. I think it's his first film. And it's also written by Billy Wilder before he moved to the U.S. Okay. Uh, it is a sort of day in the life of uh, Germany before Hitler's rise. So okay. that'll be interesting in and of itself, too. So. Yeah. So, yeah. Looking forward to that. People on Sunday from 1930. 
This week has been Kiss Me Deadly from 1955. Thank you so much for listening to Lost in Criterion. I'm, as always, Leon Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Otari Dorgan. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. been lost in criterion hosted by me adam glass find me on twitter at the adam glass my co-host is john patrick Ovatari dorgan you can find him on twitter at j patrick dorgan big thanks to jonathan hape for our theme song check him out at jonathanhape.bandcamp.com or hear more from him on any streaming service also thanks to all our patreon supporters itunes reviewers and redbubble customers and hey thank you for listening